This is Strange Assembly, episode 196, Siege of the Citadel. I'm Chris Stevenson, and you're listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. I'm here today with Chris Birch from Modifius Entertainment. Hey, Chris. Hey, how you doing? All right. Now, last time Chris was on an episode, you may remember, from our, our Gen Con Live, and we talked about the upcoming Star Trek role-playing game. But we're here today to talk about, unsurprisingly from the title, Siege of the Citadel, which is a board game set in the the Mutant Chronicles universe. Right, Chris? That's right, yeah. It was a massive game back in the 90s that uh, was around the same time as Hero Quest and Space Crusade. And um, Siege of the Citadel was this other big box of amazing plastic stuff and giant walls and and uh, kind of a lot of new styles of rules. So uh, uh, we're basically rebooting it to bring it up to date. Now, it's been a couple of years since Modifius did the Kickstarter for the Mutant Chronicles RPG. How did you guys get from having that role-playing line to launching this uh, reboot of the board game as well? We've been working with Cabinet Entertainment, who own Mutant Chronicles, on the role-playing game and, and talking about other projects. And so they came to us and said, hey, look, we've been seeing all your Kickstarter projects, and would you be interested in helping to reboot Siege of the Citadel, which was amazing because it was like one of the first big board games I had in the 90s, you know, the kind of first proper tabletop games, along with Blood Berets and Fury of the Clansmen, which fans will know, are the other two big board games in the series that they did for Mutant Chronicles. So, yeah, it was a real dream come true. So, what is Seas of the Citadel other than big? <laughs> well, it's in the Mutant Chronicles universe, you've got these big corporations they're all fighting each other, but they're also fighting this the Dark Legion, who've appeared in the solar system, having been disturbed when they explore Pluto. And their citadels have sprung up all over the, the worlds of the solar system, and they're pouring forth hordes of enemies. And the corporations are united by the Brotherhood, their mystical group. And... Um, they put together the biggest army mankind has ever seen to assault the citadel on Venus, this sort of great citadel. And um, it's thousands and thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of troops and tanks and everything. The Siege of the Citadel board game replays these epic battles and lets you take on the role of the big heroes in the storyline, like Mitch Hunter and Valerie Devan. And it is a tactical, turn-based miniatures game and when it was originally out in the 90s it broke a lot of ground it was you know it had the idea of a rotating bad guy so it's it is a five-player game but you can play with as few as one in our new version but the idea is everyone takes a turn as the bad guy and the points you clock up as the bad guy the dark legion help your team in the next mission so there's an incentive to do well and it also has things like character progression, 
So your, your team gets better with skills and equipment between missions uh, and, and also during the missions now. So you get this sort of gradually growing sort of capability to take on bigger and bigger creatures in the game. So it's a really fun playing game. It's, uh, I'd say it's a similar level of complexity to something like Zombicide. It's one of those games you can knock out when you've got a big group of uh, friends around and you don't want anything too taxing, nothing too complex, and you can roll a load of dice, kill a load of monsters. It's really fun. And it's got this bit of a backstabbing element because each corporation team, each player team, has a secondary mission. And each secondary mission is some, it might be something like you must visit every tile of the board to gather intel or you must kill a certain number of these creatures. But it's also got a, a different use, which kind of is a bit of a sort of screw you mechanic, which you know, might be something like you can stop another team getting to the door uh, by rotating the board and, and there's all kinds of fun stuff to kind of get in the way of each other if you want so and meta chronicles has always had this sort of like infighting between the corporations so it's kind of like a kind of fun way of getting people cooperating but not really <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's a lot of fun so i've i've seen some people say look at this and, and write the Siege of the Citadel, when it came out, I think was pretty new in having a GM versus the players sort of board game. But you know, people have observed that there's a, a good amount of that out there right now. You can play Descent or Imperial Assault. But I, I think you've mentioned a couple of things that seem to make Siege of the Citadel play differently in that it's, it's not fully cooperative for the other players. Right. And there's the rotating bad guy, which I don't think any of those other games do in a, in a campaign. What what else distinguishes Siege of the Citadel from some of the existing options? So Siege of the Citadel, it still has this rotating Dark Legion player thing, which was that was quite a unique thing for the time. And it really sort of spices things up because no one really wants to be the bad guy all the time. And it means you all get to be your favorite corporation, but you all get to slowly take a turn being the bad guys and being evil to all your friends. And you get points for your own corporation team by being better as the bad guys. And that's something quite unique, I think. Then there's a lot of other stuff. I mean, the game did really develop a lot of things first, right at the beginning, like the kind of plastic player boards and the character create sort of development between missions. And we're, we're keeping a lot of that. But we're also introducing proper co-op play into the new version. So you can play without a Dark Legion player. And you can also play solo as well, which is a big thing. A lot of, you know, a lot of fun. A lot of um, people who play games often can't get together with a gaming group, and uh, so it's great to be able to have an option to do that as well. Okay, now if if someone is not familiar with uh, with Mutant Chronicles at, at all, uh, there are phrases thrown around with this, like uh, it's a techno fantasy board game, and I think Mutant Chronicles is described as diesel punk. What, what does yeah. that mean? For, for someone who's <laughs> completely unfamiliar. So, if you think about it, it's kind of this, it's the 25th century, and they're kind of stuck in this, um, basically you've had this evil force appear called the Dark Symmetry, which is like the sort of the, the evil energy of the Dark Legion. And this corrupts computers and anything with logic circuits, basically. So they've had to regress their 
their world to a kind of 1950s kind of diesel punk world where they've got high tech stuff, but they can't use computers to run it. So they've got all this knowledge. It'd be like, it would be like having the knowledge of the 21st century in the 1950s and re-engineering everything, not because you don't have advanced computers, if you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. So you've got these, everything's big, everything's massive. The guns are huge and the shoulder pads are bigger is one of the kind of things that people often point out. They're like, oh, why is everything going kind to of weird scale? It's because it's, it's, it's tongue in cheek. It doesn't take itself seriously. Newton Chronicles is crazy. It's totally over the top. I mean, one of my favorite pictures of this is guy, Mitch Hunter, falling off a cliff, clutching his dog, Pride, firing back up at the screen. And it's that kind of says Music Chronicles to me because it's so insane. You know, he's like, he's not bothered about he's falling off a cliff. What he cares about is the guy, the bad guy he's shooting. So the whole world is, is, you know, if you can imagine massive diesel engines, cabling, old sort of steam engines and, uh, you know, there's a lot, everything's like projectile weapons. There's no like laser guns or shields and things like that. It's all very kind of clunky, 50s era tech. Everything's oversized. And, and obviously like the shoulder pads are such an iconic part of that. And, um, you, you know, they get, they're all ridiculously big and different designs. And, uh, and it's a really cool sort of Euro style design to everything, um, with all the different corporations. So it's a very visually strong look to it. And it makes it really fun. And, and a lot of, there's a lot of kind of humor hidden in the imagery and the stories as well. And, um, it's a kind of Mickey take of, you know, advertising and, you know, over, because every, all the good guys are big corporations who are all selling something. So, um, it's, you know, you've got this sort of, these corporations that basically run society. They've abandoned Earth because it's a radioactive ruin. They're, pretty much destroyed it in the sort of wars at the end of the 21st century. And then they've had to kind of colonize all the, the solar system. And as they've spread out, they've eventually turned up at Bluto and found these ruins and a tablet. And by um, unearthing the tablet, they trigger the release of the dark symmetry, which then infects all the technology. And that's why they have to regress everything, because your phone will try and eat your face. It will grow teeth or you'll hear strange sounds that send you crazy or, you know, automated gun turrets will decide to fire on everything in sight. So it's basically they had to tear out the sort of whole of their society, yeah, all the sort of advanced computer systems and start again. And that's why you've got this kind of diesel punk vibe that is sort of big hulking machines and quite advanced technology, but run with, um, you know, sort of diesel fumes spewing machines and, uh, you know, it's like having gadgets that are like from the 1970s, like massive walkie talkies and things like that. So it, it's really it's really a cool look. That's sort of interesting. I guess when when this first when Mutant Chronicles was first uh, a thing 20 years ago, that would have been less severe of a thing, right? Your your phone. Right? OK, not that many cell phones running around in the middle of the 90s. Man, now, now, of course, <laughs> we'd all be well, dead the first time it came up. <laughs> funny, funny enough, in one of the novels, they, they did three novels, and they did loads of stuff. There was like video games, there was board games, comic books, all kinds of stuff. And obviously there was a feature film. But in one of the novels, there's a hilarious bit where this guy goes off, he says, oh, I've brought, I've got us these amazing devices that 
will let us communicate with each other within 500 meters. <laughs> These like massive car phones, and uh, you know it's classic. But in a way, it fits because yeah, you couldn't have really advanced you know mobile phone technology you know, once you strip out computers. So it's kind of very funny, but. In a, in a way, because of the, uh, the way that the setting has been built, it doesn't date because it's just so ridiculous. It's sort of interesting. That's one of the things that I, I think most heavily dates science fiction, right? You, you know, Gibson's older stuff or what it's just is the communications technology. We've yeah. gotten so much more advanced than anybody, yeah. any science fiction short of like interplanetary communication systems in Star Trek or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. And also a lot of the artwork, you know, a lot of the original artwork was by Paul Bonner, who's a kind of legend of fantasy art. And they, I mean, obviously the styling combined fantasy, like the fantasy creatures from this other dimension with the sort of retro sci-fi look of the corporations. And that's why you get this sort of techno fantasy name, which is kind of like the first time it got coined. So, and, and because the artwork was so strong, it, again, that didn't really date as well. Okay, let me ask about the, I guess, the, the Kickstarter itself. So, there's sort of a, a base pledge level where you get the game and some stretch rolls, and then there's a higher pledge level. Yeah. If you're getting the, the just standard, I want the game pledge level, what, what comes in the box? Okay, so you're getting... We're now getting, uh, we're about to unlock the sort of final ones, but 45 miniatures. So you're getting 15 heroes, of which each side, each player gets to choose two out of three heroes to customize their team. Uh, and then the rest are all Dark Legion creatures from the Izogul, who's a giant kind of horse-like creature with forearms uh, with a giant gun and a sword. It's pretty scary. The Nephrite, who's just the kind of muscly sorcerer of the Dark Legion. And then a whole bunch of other creatures like Legionnaires who are like you kind of undead grunts and uh necromutants and Razides who are massive muscle bound gun toting kind of golem type figures. So you've got a great selection of figures. You've got eight double sided tiles by Henning Levitsen, who is the artist behind if you've got Imperial Assault, if you've got Mansions of Madness, if you've got Descent, it's the same guy that did the tile artwork for those games. They're really beautiful work. Then you've got numerous new um, counters and tokens. There's even this cool thing we unlocked, which is kind of like a raised plastic platform, which was famous for the original game. And it has like a four sets of stairs leading up to a top plate which has got a double-sided tile that sits on the top. So you've got this kind of raised area that you can have as a feature within the scenarios. And uh, 10 missions and uh, a whole set of new rebuilt rules. Obviously, we've got Richard Borg, who worked on the first version of the game, who's back involved in rebooting it. And also Kevin Wilson and Eric Lang, who are lifelong fans of Siege of the Citadel, got involved to help with the reboot, with the redesign, and, and they're also doing some of their own missions for people as well. You may have the same tile designer as as Imperial Assault or Mansions of Madness, but I, I think it's fair to say that these tiles are much more mm, psychedelic? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're very colourful, yeah. 
the actual final print will be a bit toned down. The, if you actually look at the original tiles, they were very colourful as well. And ours, because of, you know, improvements in printing technology, you can show a lot more colour or glow uh, within the artwork itself. The originals were kind of muted, but kind of muted sort of sickly colours. So it was quite good. So obviously with the basic pledge that is 69 bucks, you're getting a retail game that is going to be between 80 and $90. We've thrown in and now unlocked another 15 cards, so five cards for each of the special decks in the game as a bonus. We unlocked this sort of chibi version of Edward Murdoch, one of the characters in the game, by Ninja Division as a sort of fun bonus. Just today, we've announced at 200,000, we're unlocking a model of Pride, which is Mitch Hunter's dog, as a bonus. And... Um, there are some other other little bonuses coming through, but then you've got the big pledge. So if you just want the base game at sixty nine dollars, then you're saving a fair bit on the whole retail price. And it so that's really designed for people who just want to save a bit of money. They want to get in early. They want a few extras. But we also have the one hundred and forty nine dollar pledge that has been gradually getting better and better. And it's it's just like all the other Kickstarters we do, where we always have pledges that actually aren't worth the money at the beginning, but they get better and better. So as we unlock more stretch goals, we're throwing more and more and more into that. So it's now when we we hit two hundred thousand dollars, we're announcing a new expansion that takes the value of that now up to two hundred and forty six dollars. And the goal is to get it to about four or five hundred dollars by the end of the Kickstarter. So we always have pledges that basically if you if you have faith in us, we throw loads of stuff at you and we always make sure people end up with stupid amounts of value. I mean with our role playing Kickstarters we have a thing called the PDF Master Pledge that and a, and a PDF subscription, so they're like forty to a hundred pounds. And the one the last one for Conan, people ended up with something like about 200 pounds worth of pdfs for 40 pounds plus they got another 30 40 conan d20 pdfs so we we always commit to giving people massive amounts of value for supporting us and that the idea with the 149 dollar pledge is um you know and it's it kind of turned the corner about a week ago or we uh, 10 days ago when it you know we it then hit the value and then it started to add more and more things to it and that's what we love doing is we love people walking away going, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe that they can do this. Yeah, and I guess we, I should say before I mention more details, as we're recording, which hopefully is not that long after from now to when you're listening to it, audience, it is, it is the afternoon of Sunday, September 25th. So as I'm looking yeah. at the Kickstarter right now, you're uh, less than $4,000 away from hitting that $200,000 mark. And the, and that's where you said that the that right. expansion would come in, and that's the that's the second one. That would be the second expansion added to the Dark second Legion pledge level. There's another fifty dollar expansion that is another, I believe, seventeen figures, uh, more tiles, more loads, more rules. Adds another player to the game. Adds the seventh player to the game. So it's a huge amount of extra value, um, and we've got more lined up beyond there for when you know for the last sort of uh, week. At the Kickstarter, we've got quite a lot of new creatures and big creatures and new rules and tiles. 
So it's just going to keep going. And uh, and it's I love the fact that we can give so much value to people who support us. So I, I think we've I think we've covered pretty much everything about the Kickstarter except right you mentioned this one chibi figure that comes with the normal pledges. There is a a chibi backer level now, and I, I'm just going to say in advance I I don't understand anyone's interest <laughs> in chibi figures, but. I know there are people out there who who do not share my my opinion of that. So what's yeah, yeah. what's going on with these Ninja Division chibi figures? Yeah, so we had um, Ninja Division approaches because they're massive, massive fans of Siege of the Citadel, and we need them through Cabinet Entertainment and through some stuff we've done. And um, they were like, "Oh, we'd love to do some cool versions of the figures." We we're like, "Okay, yeah, sure." And and so we were like, "Well, look, why don't we give?" One figure free to everyone, uh, all the, the two main backer levels. And then just, and then you can come up with some other figures and we'll put them in as an add on. So that worked well for everyone and they're doing some rules for Super Dungeon Explore. And, uh, and of course our fans can pick them up as well. We've seen a lot of take up of a basic pledge that gets you that free figure for people who just want the chibi figures and uh, picking up add-ons. And I know a lot of them have converted over to the board game. So it's great to have been able to reach a different audience than we would normally. And, uh, and yeah, there's a few of the fans who are like, oh, why are you doing chibi stuff? He's like, well, look, you're getting it for free. <laughs> it's uh, No one's, um, we're not pay- paying out for it. So it just works really well for everyone. It's nice to give more stuff to people. So, um, yeah, we were we were happy to do it. Okay, now just for the sake of clarity, now almost all of the add-ons, or maybe all of the add-ons, if you're at the Dark Legion pledge letter, there, the Dark Legion pledge level, they're included there, right? I mean, they're they're That's available right. as add-ons, but you're already getting them. Is that yeah. true of the chibis as well? Uh, no, the chibis are an add-on because they're not unlocked by a stretch goal. So you get okay. one figure free as a bonus, but if you want the chibis, then they're a paid add-on because they're, we've not... Um, uh, we didn't put them in as a stretch goal because that wouldn't have been fair because they're not part of the game. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to take up stretch goal space with something that's not directly uh, for the actual board game. So. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to double check because I, I, I think that's something that you guys have done differently than a lot of them, which is a lot of times when you have the miniatures games that have unlocks, some of them are thrown into the game but you know maybe half the unlocks are are add-ons where you have to you know buy more so you may end up with like a 300 dollars buy-in by the time you're done if you want everything but so except for the chibis everything yeah that is there is part of that dark legion pledge level that's right i mean there's other add-ons that you can obviously we've added all the role-playing game add-ons for people who want those as well there are extra sets of figures, extra sets of tiles for people who... Um, there's a long history of people using multiple sets of Siege of the Citadel to have bigger and bigger games. A bit like Memoir 44, people combine all kinds of numbers of sets together to play big Normandy battles and stuff. Okay. So um, we're actually giving rules for people to how to combine their sets as well. So, so that's why we're offering extra figures if you want to go crazy and buy an extra set of the game or just the extra creatures or just some extra heroes than they can so but otherwise everything's included so it's a really good deal okay thanks for coming on and talking to us chris no worries thanks a lot 
Okay. We've been talking about the Mutant Chronicles Siege of the Citadel Kickstarter. That uh, runs through Saturday, October 8th, sometime in the afternoon, Eastern, Yeah, uh, if I recall correctly. That's it. You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can download or subscribe to the podcast there. You can also find the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. We are on the usual social media. We're at Strange Assembly on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Strange Assembly. If you want to get a hold of me, I'm always glad to hear from listeners. I'm Chris at StrangeAssembly.com. But until then, for Chris Birch, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.